Well, there are so many images, and, and it's funny to watch people debate at Christmas time. Last week we talked about the Christmas tree, and this week the candy king. So many images people try to say, man, is that of God or is that not of God? Um, uh, you know, even the day, September, I mean, uh, September. <laughs> December the 25th, people debate, oh, well, that wasn't the day that Jesus was really born, so should we celebrate Christmas on that day? Well, every day is a day that God has made, and every day is a day worthy of celebrating our Lord's birth and and so rather than being uh, a, a Grinch to try to find a way to uh, be angry about the secularization of Christmas, let's redeem all of these messages and take advantage of every opportunity. That's what the Apostle Paul would tell us, wouldn't he? He would say, you know, be ready. Tell somebody about Jesus. He, he, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that he became all things for all men, that by all means... All means, right? Anything you can use, some might be saved. And so we want to redeem Christmas and use uh, everything we can to tell somebody about Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, let's look at these shepherds we were talking about. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Let's stand and read this famous part of the Christmas narrative, starting with verse 8. We'll come back in a couple of weeks, look at this first section. But Luke chapter 2. Starting with verse 8, it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior, who is Messiah, that's a word that we sometimes see translated Christ, the anointed one, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in, snugly in a cloth, King James says, in swaddling clothes. I used to wonder what that was, but strips of, of linen there. And lying in a manger, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors or on those whom his favor rests, men who receive his goodwill. Then verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. Father, it blows our mind imagine that God the Son, who we saw last week, was pre-existent with the Father, one with the Father, that he became flesh, that he dwelt among us, that we might behold his glory, that that Son would be laid in a manger, would live this life, would love people, would die for the sins of the world, rise victorious, that we might have life in his name, help us to celebrate the right message. Help us to share that message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. You know, news, good news travels fast, right? Probably faster than ever. If you've got some good news, if you got that job, that news traveled fast. You graduated from college, right? News traveled fast. Fast. Good news travels fast. Kent, if she says yes, that news travels pretty fast, right? 
All right. News travels fast. People nowadays, especially with social media, but you know the news that travels the fastest seems to be when that baby's born. I know that uh, those of you who have, uh, over the course of my time here at Trinity, have uh, seen your children come to this world, you're probably like, why does he ask me about that, you know, like when I'm eight weeks and 10 weeks and and 12 weeks and 20 weeks and and 25 weeks, I'm always like, how close are we? How many days? What's the date? Because uh, while I visit the hospital for all kinds of reason, uh, those are the favorite visits, right? News travels fast because we like to celebrate that new life. And this news, this birth was the greatest birth that had ever taken place, and God was going to make sure that news traveled fast, so much so that not only had he had announced through the angel Gabriel the coming of Messiah, that, that he had gone and appeared, uh, Gabriel had, as an angel, appeared to Mary and Joseph and said, here's what's going to happen, uh, as we were singing a moment ago, heaven is coming, Messiah is coming, God with us, Emmanuel is coming, it's going to be here. And so it was being announced, and now that when, when Messiah is born, when Jesus comes into this world, the angels appear to shepherds to announce the news. All kinds of reasons we could get into why he chose shepherds. But after 400 silent years, when the Old Testament had kind of been closed, after reading of the redemptive hope, and beginning the first time in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of a woman would crush the head of the serpent, speaking of a a virgin-born Messiah who would destroy the devil's works. And from that point, we would see that the hope would come out of Israel. The hope of all nations would come out of Israel, would come out of the tribe of Judah, would be born in Bethlehem, would be born of a virgin, would be called Emmanuel, and his name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and he would be a Prince of Peace. Then there were silent years when the Old Testament had been closed until the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and then to Joseph. Messiah would be born in humble circumstances as they traveled As later, we'll look at the first part of this chapter. Born and laid in a manger. And then the angelic messengers not being finished. Could you imagine being the angelic hosts? (laughs) Could you imagine these angels saying, we get to do this? We get to be the ones to go and and shout it and and God saying the first time, then it's going to be up to those who heard it. But we get to go and proclaim Messiah's birth. Can't wait. Are we going to princes and kings who are we going to? Are we going to some of the greatest political leaders? Some of the sharpest minds on the face of the earth? No, you're going to these shepherds that are out watching their sheep, keeping watch over their flocks by night. You're going to people of humble circumstances. Now, some have said that maybe it wasn't as humble as we might think because shepherds were known to uh, have the sheep for those that would be sacrificed in worship that uh, they would have understood what it meant for the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world to be born. And the beholding of that Lamb and the telling of that news would be something the shepherds would be always remembered for and something that they would provide an example for us to do. Let's redeem Christmas this morning by embracing the story of the shepherds by embracing and beholding the lamb for ourselves and then telling the good news, whether you use your Christmas tree, whether you use a candy cane or anything else that we decide can be redeemed for the purposes of the gospel, 
Let's still be intentional. I want you to remember two things before we start our missions march this morning. The first one is I want you to do what the shepherds did. See the truth of Messiah's birth for yourself. See the truth of Messiah's birth for yourself. It wasn't just enough that the angels told them they had to go and see the truth of Messiah's birth for themselves. We read it a moment ago in verse 8, that same region. Those shepherds were there. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing at the time. They were supposed to be doing it, and God showed up in a powerful way. Uh, Sometimes you may have a responsibility in life that you are not so happy about. You may even have a job that you're not real pleased with right now. Young people, you may not like to be in school tomorrow if uh, the weather permits, right? But when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be doing it, look out, God can show up in a powerful way. An angel of the Lord stood before them. God's glory had shone around them. And it says they were, in the King James, sore afraid, right? They were terrified. They were scared out of their sandals, I believe. I mean, this was uh, to, to see angelic beings, a lot of times we might think, man, that'd be awesome if I could just see an angel. Well, maybe that's why God says we entertain angels without knowing it, unaware, because if we knew it, it would probably scare us to death. But these shepherds were there, and they saw these angels literally visibly in their midst, and they said, don't be afraid, for look, we've got good news. You know, the word gospel means good news. By the way, you look at some of us Christians sometimes, and, and, and some of us pastors especially, you would think that gospel meant bad news, that we're just mad at the world, that we're angry at what's going on, and we're just ready to take our 15-pound uh, study Bible right and just whack people over the head with it and say, get right or get left, turn or burn, get sanctified or get french fried, whatever comes to mind. But we act like we're mad at the world. We've got the greatest news on the planet that Messiah has come. And so this is, this is good news of, of great joy. It should bring joy to the world as we sing that will be for all people. Listen, Jesus came For sinners, Paul said, of which I am chief, he came for all of the world. A Savior who is Messiah, one who would save us from our sins, who is Messiah. Christ, the anointed one, was born for you. And he's born where the Bible and the Old Testament said he would be born, in the city of David. We call that Bethlehem. He says, it's going to be a sign. You're going to find this baby, not like you would expect to find royalty. He's going to be wrapped snugly in a cloth. He's going to be in humble circumstances. He's not going to look so great. And I know it's kind of been going uh, viral lately, a video of a famous preacher whose name I won't call but to say he's got a big, pretty smile. And he says, God is pleased only when we dress a certain way and look a certain way and drive the right thing and live in the right house. And here's Jesus who has no place to lay his head but in a trough. I think it was pleasing unto God. He had nothing but raggedy clothes, but I think it was pleasing unto God unto God because he's identifying with man with whom he would come to give his very life. The shepherds, what did they do? Let's go meet the Savior of the world. The the, the multitude of hosts had been saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Understanding that eminence that we talked about last week, that Jesus Christ, who transcends all, has become God with us. He's eminent. The transcendent has become Emmanuel. God is 
with us. And he's the one who brings peace on earth to people. He favors. I know we say sometimes goodwill toward men. In the Greek, it, it literally reads, to, to those on whom his favor, his grace rests. And so the first coming of Christ did not put an end to wars worldwide. It, it did not all of a sudden make uh, the, the earth a wonderful political environment for everybody to get along. It did not at this time establish some one world, world government where I'm okay and you're okay and everybody's going to love each other like they should. But remember what John prophesied last week. We saw this. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And so that peace on earth is in your heart and in my heart when we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and King. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the world, what the storms are that are raging around us. We can lay our head on our pillow at night with peace in our hearts. That's the thing that I noticed as a 10-year-old when I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ down at Hard Labor Creek State Park in Rutledge, Georgia when I was at a kid's camp. The one thing I noticed, listen, up until age 10, I knew that I was a sinner. Now, I had not, you know, the only drug problem I had was that my mom drugged me to church and things like that. But I had not done all these awful things, but I was a terrible sinner because I was born a sinner by nature and I chose to sin. The one difference, though, that I could attest to, even as a 10-year-old, is that his spirit was bearing witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. I had peace in my heart when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I could lay my head on my pillow at night. Remember that prayer that we used to pray? I would lay my head on my pillow at night, and I would pray, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I shall die before I wake. Why did my parents teach me that, song, that, that, that prayer? If I shall die before I wake and I couldn't get past that and I would lay in bed and think, the little boys die before they wake up? Am I going to die? I guess it's possible. Am I going to die in my sleep tonight? Well, Lord, if I do, if I do, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But at age 10, the gospel was made so clear to me. I gave my heart and my life to Jesus, and I didn't have that fear. I didn't have that terror. What if I die before I wake up? I knew that I was at peace with God. Even a 10-year-old can understand that. They can know the presence of peace. You can know the presence of peace in your heart. These shepherds had to see the truth of Messiah's birth for themselves. And I'm telling you, it's not your mama's religion. It's not your grandmama's religion that's going to get you into heaven. It's not going to be because you went to church. It's going to be because you encountered Jesus Christ for yourself and you made him your king, your savior, your Lord, and your best friend. No religious experience. Listen, the encounter with the angels was great, but no religious experience took the place of them meeting Jesus. The ecstasy and the wonder of the angels would fade in comparison to meeting the Savior face to face. A man by the name of Phillips Brooks visited Bethlehem in 1965. I'm sorry, 1865. We're going way back in time. And he went to the Church of the Nativity, which you go all the way back to the 4th century. It was kind of shrined up a little bit by the church. It's one of the, those places you can visit in Israel. Typically, when you visit somewhere in Israel, they'll say, well, this is kind of authentic. This isn't very authentic. Or we don't really know. But this is one of those areas in Bethlehem where they say, man, there, there's a good chance this Church of the Nativity was built over where this cave is that would have been used for a stable. And, and, and so there's a really good chance this is right where Messiah, where, where Jesus Christ was born. And Tina and I had the opportunity 
to stand and, and, and sing Christmas carols there in the church of the Nativity, back in that cave where they believed Jesus was born. But when Phillips Brooks visited that place in Bethlehem, he wrote a song that he intended to be for children. And in that song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, a lot of times we don't get to the last verse. Listen to these words. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We might call that being born again, where Jesus Christ comes to live in us through his Holy Spirit when we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus. It says, we hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Have you experienced Messiah's birth and the truth of that gospel for yourself? That he came, he lived, as the candy cane reminds us, a sinless life. He shed his blood on Calvary's cross for our sins. He rose again on the third day to give us life life more abundant, and life everlasting. Have you encountered, believed, worshipped, and experienced the truth for yourself? If you haven't, you can't give away what you don't have. And I'm glad that you brought gifts this morning, many of you. If you didn't, we just ask you to pray. We're going to instruct you on how to do that in a moment. And I'm glad that we do a lot of things to celebrate his birth, but make sure first and foremost that you have experienced this truth for yourselves, because you can't give away what you do not have. Secondly, this morning, though, before we leave this place, I want you to leave on mission, with a renewed sense of mission. What did these shepherds do? They would spread the truth of the Savior, the Bible says, far and wide. They had, in verse 16, after they had hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, look at the urgency there, man. We can't wait to meet Messiah. After they meet him, the urgency continues, verse 17. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. Now, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard this morning, and it leaves a little something out that's in the original language there. I like how some of the other translations. The King James says they made widely known. The New King James translates that as they, uh, or excuse me, New King James says they made, they made widely known. The King James says they made known abroad. The New Living Translation just puts it this way. They told everyone. (laughs) Man, they couldn't wait to tell people about Jesus. And I think that's evidence that we're a true follower of Jesus Christ. If we've really encountered, if it's real, then we're going to tell somebody. We're going to be glad. I was talking about how good news travels fast. And no longer than we had headed down the road after Kent had popped the big question yesterday that his girlfriend is saying, man, we went to Walmart and I got to show my ring and tell people I'm getting engaged. She must love you, bud. But can you imagine somebody not wanting anybody to know that they were, what if I, every time I went out of the house, I, I took my, my wedding ring off, my fingers are swollen, but it, <laughs> let's say that I took my wedding ring off every time I went out of the house and I didn't want you would say, what in the world, is he really married? If he is, is he ashamed of his wife? What's wrong? But no, we want it to flash and we want it to spark. We want people to know that, man, we're in a relationship and it's changed their life because we love each other. But how many people say they love Jesus, the one who said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men? As one of my professors said one time, that means if you're not fishing, you're not following. 
If he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, are you telling people about Jesus? They made widely known. Can you picture the urgency here? It's still being displayed. All who heard it, verse 18, it says, were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, we all have these moments like Mary had. She took all these things and she pondered them. She treasured them in her heart. She had had her, what we call the Magnificat, her moment of singing praise to God and and, and shouting joyfully. And she's kind of soaking in. She's meditating on all of this. But she would also take the message into the world. The shepherds returned. They were glorifying, praising God, not ashamed of their worship. Sometimes I know that when our worship team's up here, they're wondering, man, there's a few people out there, are they ashamed of their worship? They were expressing this with great excitement. And you're like, well, different people worship different ways, Pastor Robbie, and I get that, and that's okay with me because you might be like Mary pondering these things in her heart. But if you jump up and down about the bulldogs, you ought to be able to jump up and down about Jesus. And so if we, anything, if we get excited and expressive about anything else, then we're not being true to ourselves to squelch that spirit within us about the most important thing in life. What are you urgent about? Right now you're probably feeling urgent about gift buying, right? I haven't bought everything I need to buy. Some of you are already, how many you already done with Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. A few of you. The rest of the women are like, we don't like her. Um, what are you urgent about? What's most important? What about for your children and your grandchildren? What's your sense of urgency for them? I know where it is for most of us. It's in the area of academics. Uh, It's urgent that you study and that you make good grades. We talk about the three A's, academics, the arts, athletics. In the arts, we want you to practice. We want you to be good at this. Or athletics, we want to invest in this camp, in this program. We want you to be at your very best. How urgent are we about communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to our children and our grandchildren? How urgent is making sure they are knowing Jesus, but moving from the red candy cane to the green candy cane, Pastor Ben, how urgent have we made growing in Jesus? Are we urgent with the gospel of Jesus Christ? These shepherds were urgently wanting the world to know the greatest news on the face of the earth. I'll tell you one thing, if your kids are sick, and I'm talking about bad sick, if they are injured badly, It's going to be urgent to get them some help, isn't it? If your kids are bad sick, if they are injured horribly in an accident, you're going to get them to a doctor, you're going to get them to an urgent care, you're going to get them to a hospital. If you have friends friends that are doctors or nurses, you're going to get them on the phone, you're going to say, here's what I'm seeing, can you help me with this? We're going to go on social media and take pictures of the injury or the wound, and we're going to say, can anybody tell me what this is? Can you help me with this? And yet all of our children are born sinners by nature and by choice, and their need is desperate, their need is urgent. Are we working just as hard? Are you you calling up Pastor Ben and saying, hey, man, I think my kid is understanding some things spiritually, but but they're showing some signs that they may not, not, can you please, can you meet with us so we can talk about that? Because I'll tell you, nothing brings us greater joy than to get those kind of calls, does it, Pastor Ben? Can you talk with my children, my grandchildren, my neighbor? Can we go to them, this friend, this family member? They don't know Jesus. That is so much more urgent than a physical illness, that we are spiritually sick and in need of a Savior. And that's why God sent his only son into the world. The shepherds are sharing this 
encounter with Christ. You may say, well, everybody's heard now, right? The last demographics I've seen in Madison County, Georgia, 20% of those who live here will be in a place of worship today. Well, less than that today, right? Some churches weren't able to open the doors. But on an average Sunday, 20% of Madison County is in worship somewhere. And we know that a large percentage of those do not truly understand what it means to have a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. Some numbers are 50% and even more. So potentially, 9 out of 10 people you meet in Madison County, Georgia, are lost and go into a Christless hell because they've not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and become a new creation in him. What about the rest of this nation? We're, We're living in the Bible Belt. It gets more desperate in many other places. What about the rest of our world? Your giving, your praying, your going makes all the difference in the world. Your worship, your celebration, like these shepherds who came praising and rejoicing, makes all the difference. And I want to say a big thank you to the folks at Trinity Baptist Church, those of you who are new and those of you who have been here a long time. Because even though we've got a lot to to grow in when it comes to our heart for reaching our neighbors, this nation, and the next generation, this is where a seed was planted in me to be about God's work missionally. As a 17-year-old, I had the opportunity to go to Haiti. And I remember I had never seen such poverty. But greater than their physical poverty or their greatest need was their spiritual poverty. As we'd go to sleep at night, I remember hearing the voodoo drums back in the background. Some of you have been, how many of you have been to Haiti and you remember hearing the voodoo drums there, right? Several here this morning that have been to Haiti on a mission trip. I remember hearing that they were lost in a dark world without hope, without Jesus. There were so many missionaries over there giving and meeting physical needs. And I remember hearing that so few were actually sharing the greatest need, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some were building buildings, and some were giving tuberculosis shots. Some were pulling teeth. and uh, There were so many important medical and, and, and other needs that were being met. But the folks we were working with were using those as tools in order to open a door to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they might be set free from all those things that they were in bondage to. Kind of like a candy cane, right? It can just be a piece of candy or it can be a tool to share Jesus with somebody. And so I met people like Scott Adams who was drilling a well and we're praying for his family right now. If you didn't know, he lost his son this weekend, Benjamin. We need to pray for that family. But I remember Scott said some things that were life-changing to me. Like you'll never be happier than being in the center of God's will. Met people like Fred Wall who who was going over that nation. He said, Robbie, there's a lot of people doing social ministry, but we're sharing the gospel. We're planting churches and training pastors. And he gave me an opportunity to teach pastors as a 30-year-old later when I went back. And so this church, you've enabled and equipped and prepared people to do that. Young people, we don't ever want to quit doing that. 
We want to see you have the opportunity to touch this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's so many needs around here. You say, how do we have time and, and money and resources to go all the way around the world? It's been said, and I don't know who originated this statement, but the light that shines the farthest will shine the brightest closest to home. And so if you've got a heart for the nations, you'll have a heart for your neighbors and for the next generation. As we close the service this morning, really it's going to be a a special time. Some of you have been here before, and when we've done this, you kind of know how it goes. But we'll all stand in just a moment. We'll begin to sing after I pray. Actually, we'll start seated, won't we, Jeff? Thank you. But when you see us, when when Jeff stands us and and my family will begin to lead the way, there's going to be some flags that come in. If you had a chance to read your insert, it's going to be a little bit different this morning. But as our flag bearers are making their way back, they're going to bring some flags. We're not bringing in as many. You know, this church has been in over 40 nations in its history since 1982. I lost count in there somewhere, but we've been over 40 nations. We've chosen some of those nations that we've had partnerships with or that we've been in. We know something about what's going on there. And uh, we put an insert in your bulletin. So after we begin the Great Missions March, you'll have an opportunity to bring a, a gift for international missions. It could be 50 cents, however God's blessed you. Some of you have already written checks. There's a white basket up here. You can just place that gift in this white basket. And then you've brought gifts wrapped in white. If you're a guest, all we ask you to do is pray this morning, and you're welcome to go to one of the flag stations and pray. But some of you brought gifts wrapped in white. It, when we, once we start, you feel free to come and place that gift under the white Christmas tree to my right, to your left over here. Those represent needs in our community, families that we're ministering to for the sake of using a tool to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But after you present that, after the flags are posted and we begin to worship and you begin to come, and and my family will be the first to lead the way, after you begin to come and you make your way back around the outside of the aisles, if you've got a bulletin insert, or somebody next to you has one, or if you don't, just go to any of the flags, but it will tell you about a country. It might tell you a little bit about the work, and because the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to pray for Israel, we've got a flag from there as well, and you may go and pray for the work that's being done there. But we invite you this morning, if you would go, and just, it could be a sentence prayer, stay as long as you feel you need to, and pray for the work that's being done in that nation. Let's put put our faith in action a little bit this morning and let's pray, ask God how we continue to pray for this nation. Would you bow your heads with me right now?